raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Baptism is compared to a, a death, a burial, and a resurrection. If I tell you to go out in the back 40 of the ranch and bury a bag of garbage, and uh, I come out the next day, and garbage is scattered all over the yard from raccoons and bears. And I'll say, did you bury it? And he said, no, I went out and sprinkled a little dirt on it, but sprinkling and burying, what's the difference? Does it make a difference? Does the method make a difference? Please listen carefully to this. When we get away from what God says, these sacred symbols, there's only a couple of sacred rites in the Christian church. The Lord's Supper, what we call communion, and baptism. You could add marriage, but that even goes back to the Old Testament. But the New Testament, you've got the Lord's Supper, and you've got baptism. The devil really hates them. One example I'll give you is a pastor said, well, the bread and the grape juice, the bread and the wine... They are symbolic of the body and blood. And since they're symbols, why don't we do something more interesting in our church? For the Lord's Supper this week, we're going to have Coke and hamburgers. He said, it's just a symbol. We'll say the same prayer. Now, is it only me or does that start sounding sacrilegious? You lose the meaning when you get away from the precise teaching that God gives. And that's happening in so many different areas of the Christian faith. And so we're going to talk about what the Bible specifically says. What you do with that is up to you. But I'll tell you right now, before we're done tonight, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. I'm going to make an appeal. Because there's nothing more important than that. You know, we have a production like this, and we're teaching the Word, and we're not inviting people to respond to the main message of the Bible, which is accepting Christ, having their sins washed away, receiving eternal life, becoming new creatures, then all of this is a waste of time. Because what good is it when Jesus comes if you are biblically educated sinners? Isn't that right? What good will it be if you're lost? The most important thing is that you accept the salvation that the prophecies talk about. Jesus is our example. How was he baptized? If you're a Christian, you follow Jesus. What what does the Bible say about him? Jesus came and was baptized by John in the Jordan, and immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens open. Is it pretty clear? He goes down in the water, he comes up from the water, John baptized in the Jordan, it's a river. You can also read where the Bible says that he baptized in Salim because there was much water there. If the method for baptizing was pouring or sprinkling, there's you know a lot of counterfeit methods today, and... and uh, And I'm not trying to criticize. A lot of people are going to be in heaven that maybe were not baptized biblically. You listening? God's going to save lots of people because I've already told you, you read in Acts chapter 17, it says in verse 30, at the times of this ignorance, God winked at. There's a lot of people that are doing the best with what they know to follow the Lord. None of us knows everything, right? At the time of our ignorance, he winks at. But now he commands men everywhere to repent. When we know the truth, we need to follow the truth. There's some churches, they sprinkle salt, and they call it baptism. And there's others that they put rose petals on you, and they call that baptism. And there's some, they just do words over the phone. It's called the dry cleaning method. And they call that baptism. And so there's a lot of counterfeit baptisms out there that aren't really what Jesus did. How did Philip baptize the treasure of Ethiopia? You've got this amazing story in the Bible. 
where uh, Philip is the first hitchhiker in the Bible. And he gets a ride in the chariot with this very esteemed Ethiopian treasure who's just come from Jerusalem worshiping. He believes in Jehovah. He's on his way back. He serves under Candace, the queen of Ethiopia, and he's reading the scroll of Isaiah. Philip jumps up in the chariot and says, I can explain this to you. And he preaches about Christ from Isaiah 60. I think he's reading Isaiah 53. And um, after he hears about Jesus, he said, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, nothing. Now listen to what the Bible says. So they got out of the chariot. They went into the water. Acts chapter 8, verse 38. Both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. And the Bible says, now when they had come up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. This is an amazing story. First of all, Ethiopia traces its Christianity to this man back in the time of Christ that he was one of the first to introduce it. Secondly, the Lord sent Philip all the way down in the desert for a rendezvous with one man so he could teach him and then baptize him. And as soon as the baptism was done, he goes on to preach somewhere else. So how important is it to the Lord that he would do that? In fact, this is the first time in the Bible it tells us that the Lord beamed the person like Star Trek from one place to another. As soon as Philip got done with the baptism, it says the Lord caught him away and he found himself walking down the road to Caesarea. It says, you finished your job here. You've obeyed me. I'm going to save you having to walk all the way. I'm going to transport you. That's what he did. Number seven, what other truths are symbolized in baptism? Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in a newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly shall we be in the likeness of his resurrection. Baptism is a symbol of a death, but it's not only just a death, it's a burial, and then it's a resurrection. You know, when a person uh, is born again, they like take a, a first breath. I remember hearing about this uh, baptism here in Northern California. There was this uh, Spanish gentleman, and, and he told the pastor, he said, you know, I've, I've lived a pretty wild life. And he said, when you baptize me, and he, he said, I want to get baptized in the lake. And he said, uh, when you baptize me, um, he said, I'm a good swimmer. He said, I want to have a prayer while I'm underwater. Now, he told the pastor this just before the baptism. They're out in the lake together. All his family are watching from the shore. He says, you hold me under, under, I'll squeeze your hand when I'm done with my prayer and you can bring me up. Pastor said, all right. Usually, you know, they baptize a person, they just immerse them and you bring them right up again. It just, you know, important you don't hold them under. So the pastor said, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he put them down. And he said, hold them there. And people on the shore are shifting back and forth, and they're wondering if they're going to charge out in the lake and attack the pastor, or what's he trying to do, drown him? And then he, he squeezed his hand, he brought him back up again. Then he explained to everybody, I, I wanted to just have a prayer while I was underwater. But uh, usually, one of the ways you tell a person is dead, they stop breathing. And so, at least for that moment that you hold your breath while you're underwater, it's like, I'm dying to my old ways. When a baby's born, it comes out of an envelope of water and it takes its breath. And we all worry when it doesn't take that first breath, right? That first cry is a symbolic of a new birth. 
How important is baptism? The Bible tells us, Mark 16, 16. Pastor Doug, why are you talking about this subject? He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Does that sound important? But he who does not believe will be condemned. You notice the emphasis is on belief. Will there be some people in heaven who were not baptized? Well, sure, you've got all these characters in the Old Testament who will be saved, and it doesn't tell us that they practice baptism as a rite back then. What about the thief on the cross who died next to Jesus? Will he be saved? Why was Jesus baptized? Was Jesus baptized for his sin? No. Jesus is baptized as an example for you and me. Another reason that I believe Jesus was baptized, Jesus did not die for his sin. He died for mine. I get credit for his death. I think there are going to be people like that thief on the cross who turn to Jesus in the closing hours of their life and they cannot practically accommodate a baptism and the Lord gives them credit for his baptism because he certainly wasn't baptized to wash away his sin. There's sometimes, you know, I'll visit someone in a hospital and they're in the closing days or hours of their life and they're hooked up to apparatus and they say, Pastor Doug, uh, I want to accept the Lord. Well, they, they can't be baptized, but can they accept the Lord and have their sins forgiven? Yes. I do remember one dear sister. Um, in, in the closing days of her life, she asked me to baptize her. But when, when she told me she was in a, in a bed, she was down to like 60 pounds, and she was never going to make it to a church, and she said, oh, please baptize me, please baptize me. She understood from reading the Word. She'd just been reading the Bible as she was dying from cancer. And I said, what can we do? She said, my bathtub. And her son picked her up. She didn't weigh anything. And we baptized her in her bathtub. And I've never seen such peace as I saw on her face. And so sometimes you, you, there's extraordinary things. I've been to prisons before where people get baptized in a horse trough because they say it's important to follow what Jesus teaches. It's that important. They go to great lengths. But some people, they're on death row. They come to Christ. They can't be baptized. Jesus will give them credit for his baptism. Third reason Jesus was baptized is to show you and me what to expect when we are baptized. But I'll elaborate on that a little more in a few moments. Is it important? Listen to what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter that's pretty absolute. He cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, we all know being baptized and born of the Spirit is important, but is being born of the water? Some people say, well, Pastor Doug, that's not talking about baptism. That's talking about physical birth when a baby's in that envelope of water and the water breaks and then they're born. Unless you're born of the water. Now, wait a second. You're saying that means unless you're born of a woman and born of the Spirit. Why would Jesus say that? Question. How many here were born of a woman? Anyone not born of a woman? I mean, these are strange days we're living in now, so you don't know. So why would Jesus say something so redundant? Of course everyone's born of a woman. He's not. He's, the Gospel of John starts with John the Baptist. And then you get to chapter 3 and he tells Nicodemus, unless you're born of the water and of the Spirit. He said, now, what's the difference? You and I cannot pick the time when God's going to baptize us from the Holy Spirit. We can ask. But he does it. Sometimes he does it suddenly. Pentecost, it says suddenly. 
you and I can choose when we are baptized by water. Baptism is like a, a beautiful marriage where you want both parties to participate in the choice. And so it's basically saying, unless you are born of the water, your choice, and born of the Spirit, my choice, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. When the children of Israel came out of Egypt, the Bible says they went through the Red Sea, baptized in water, and God sent a pillar of fire, they baptized in fire. Water baptism, fire baptism, new person, new nation. When they came out of that water and they were baptized in the cloud of fire, they became a new nation. You know, even our world is getting both baptisms. The days of Noah, the world was washed with water. Peter says this next time it's not going to be water, but the heavens will dissolve with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. The earth and the works in it will be burned up. Next time he said it's going to be baptized in fire. And then God will make a new earth. So even our world is going to go through both baptisms before it's made new. You need both baptisms as well. What blessed ceremony can be compared to baptism? I already gave you a little peek into it. It's a symbol of like marriage. And you can read in Galatians 3.27. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. It's, in, it's like putting on the wedding garment. Now, baptism is as important to a Christian as a wedding is to a marriage. Typically, though there's exceptions, baptisms are public. Most people want others to know about their wedding. Uh, love must be involved. Faith must be involved. It's a, it's a consecration. It's a commitment. And again, you can read... Um, oh, uh, we're going to jump to number 10, sorry. Question number 10. What command did Jesus give to his people? What command did Jesus give to his people just before his ascension? He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So the Lord wants us to go everywhere and to teach and to baptize. And he says, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now when you get to the New Testament, you get to the book of Acts, it says, go baptize in the name of the Lord, baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus. And I know some churches argue about the exact wording to be uttered during the baptism, baptism ceremony. I, I think that the Bible doesn't make a big argument about the exact wording. It's pretty clear that they're being baptized into the Lord of Scripture, Jehovah, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus. You know, when I do a wedding, I'll have the man and the woman there, and I'll go over the vows with them ahead of time, and I'll say, you know, there's several ways we can do this. I said, there's certain things that must be in this covenant. You're doing it publicly. You're making promises to each other. I said, do you want the more formal wording where I say, you, William, you know, Jones, Smith, or whatever the name is, and do you, Sally, um, McBride, or and they, you, do you want the whole name? Or they said, no, do you, Bill, take Sally? I said, well, you know, whatever you want. It's a legal document. Have you noticed that when you scribble your signature, it's still legal? Yeah. So some churches make a big deal about the exact wording during the baptism. I know of one uh, one church. I know the pastor, and he was baptizing this uh, uh, Latin gentleman. And he, the pastor did not speak Spanish, but he wanted to accommodate, and he wanted to say, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in Spanish. And he practiced it, and he practiced it, and finally when the gentleman came down in the baptistry to get baptized, instead of saying, in el nombre de la Padre, y Hijo, y Espíritu Santo, or something like that, 
He said, en el nombre de la Papa. Which is the Pope. <laughs> so, um, I think the angels laugh too when stuff like that happens. <laughs> You're all wondering, well, what did he do? I think, I think baptism still worked. <laughs> he did his best. So what are the criteria? Number 11, what biblical qualifications must precede baptism? This is where it gets really important. Before a person's baptized, what do they need to know? Well, it says, for one thing, they need to understand the teachings of Jesus. Matthew 28 19. He said, go therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to absorb all things whatsoever I've commanded you. Lo, I'm with you to the end of the world. This is a very important statement, but he said, there's teaching that comes before. You don't stop learning after baptism. You continue to be taught whatsoever the Lord commands after baptism. You know, I've been baptized twice. First time I was baptized, some of you heard my testimony. I was uh, living in the mountains in a cave. I lived by myself. I'd accepted Jesus on my own, just praying after reading the Bible. And I remember one day that two hikers came up the trail and that you had to go by my cave to go up to the top of Mount San Jacinto. It's an 11,000 foot mountain, often has snow on it. And I lived right on the creek. And they came into the yard, they stopped to rest a little bit, and they said, are you a Christian? And they were just very dedicated Calvary Baptist Christians. And I said, well, in fact, yeah, I, I have accepted the Lord, I'm a Christian. They said, have you been baptized? Well, you know, I'd been reading about it, but it, I, I hadn't been at that point. They said, you need to be baptized. And they quoted two or three of these scriptures about the importance of baptism. I said, yes, I'm convinced. So one of them took me off in the water outside my cave. I had a deep pool and a waterfall. It was a beautiful place. And he took me off and, and it was melted snow. And he took me off in the water and we both courageously went down. I came back up again. I can promise you I felt born again. And as uh, soon as they got done baptizing me, they went hiking up on the trail. They were rejoicing. They got to baptize me. And I thought, this is great. I'm a Christian now. I got to go tell my friends. So I went down to Palm Springs and I got together with my friends. I said, let's get some beer and celebrate. I got baptized today. <laughs> and before the sun went down that day, I was in jail telling the people in jail about how I got baptized that day. I had not been taught properly yet. So, you know, people need to be taught the basics. Uh, now, before you get married, do you need to know everything about the person? You ought to know the main things, right? Is there still stuff that you learn after you get married? I heard somebody go, oh, yeah. <laughs> so you must be taught the, the fundamental teachings of the Bible and accept them. And that's the next point. Believe all of the teachings of Jesus. Say, yes, I, I embrace them. I believe the teachings of Jesus. Be willing to repent of your past sins. Now, that means a sorrow for sin and a turning away from sin. Um, let me ask the ladies, if a man came to you and said, I love you, I'd like to get married, uh, and we've been dating for a little while, uh, and I think if we got married, I could stop, stop dating the other girls. What would you say to a proposal like that? You're crazy. But there are people who say, Pastor Doug, if you baptize me, I think I can stop these major addictions and sins in my life. No, 
John the Baptist said, bring, bring forth fruits, meat of repentance in advance. In other words, repent of your sins, turn from your sins, and make that covenant. You don't get baptized in order to love the Lord. Some people have said, I think if you just baptize me, then I'll love the Lord. No, you want to consecrate yourself to the Lord, be converted, and be baptized. And uh, I remember... I wanted to get baptized, this is the second time, I wanted to get baptized and a really godly pastor, he said, well, Doug, how's the smoking coming? I said, pastor, I got a scripture for you. It's not what goes in your mouth that defiles you, but it's what comes out. I said, well, Doug, what goes in your mouth is defiling what comes out of your mouth. And while I was arguing with the pastor, I was in my pickup truck. He's standing at the window. I met him at the post office. I'm sitting down, three old two-year-old girl is on the seat, Rachel, and uh, while I'm talking to him and saying, it's okay if I smoke, God knows I love him, I believe the Bible, she took my cigarettes and started shaking the pack and they began to fly out. He said, see that? She is going to do what you do, not what you say. And I thought, oh, I became convicted. And you know what? God gave me victory. I quit smoking two weeks before I got baptized. I've not had one in 40 years. The Lord, but I, I made the decision. Quitting smoking is easy. Mark Twain said, I've done it a hundred times. <laughs> now, if I quit, I stay quit. Repent of your past sins. Repent and turn. And that's the next verse. Romans 6, verse 5 and 6, and Luke 3, verse 7 and 8. Agree to turn from your life of sin. Be willing to say, Lord, I want to follow you. Jesus gives you the power to change before your baptism. He gives you the power to change before your baptism. And so don't worry that, you know, I don't get the power until I get baptized. Baptism is a ceremony, like a marriage. The love must come first. The commitment must come first. You don't say, if I got married, then I think I can be committed. Don't, don't marry that person. Accept Christ as a personal Savior and experience the new birth. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and John 3, and uh, verses 3 and 5. Where did all these other counterfeit forms of baptism originate? You read in Mark 7, verse 8, For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold to the tradition of men. It didn't happen overnight. All the early churches practiced baptism by immersion. Um, you can go look at the ruins. Uh, we were in Israel not long ago, and you can see the different churches from the Byzantine area, and they built the church around a baptistry. Um, they even found a cave that had a baptistry in it by the Jordan River. They're wondering if it was John the Baptist cave that was uh, recently excavated, recently meaning in the last 15 years. And um, so no question that the early method for baptism was immersion because it represented a washing, it represented a death, a burial, a new birth. But over time, people start changing things for convenience sometimes Someone would be sick, and they say, well, they got to get baptized, but they can't go and get baptized, so they dip a sheet in the water, and then they wrap them in the sheet, and they say, well, this is like baptism. Well, they're trying. Or some of the royalty would say, oh, you know, we want to get baptized, but it's sort, of, it's sort of a messy business. Get all wet in front of everybody. By the way, you know, uh, baptism is compared to birth and to death, and they're pretty messy, too. Isn't that right? You don't see too many pretty deaths or pretty births. And uh, so the royalty would say, can't you just, since it's a symbol, just sprinkle a little on us or pour a little on us? Do we have to get down in the water in front of all of our subjects? And, 
And gradually they started doing both pouring and sprinkling and immersion. And then it became a little uh, more popular to do the, the simpler things until it just changed. And everybody sort of, in some churches say, it's not baptism in the water that matters, it's just baptism in the Holy Spirit. You can read historically, in uh, AD 311, it was the Council of Ravenna, there that sprinkling and pouring were officially accepted as equally valid as immersion in the rite of baptism. Over a thousand years after Christ, everybody was being baptized like the Baptists do it, by immersion. They're absolutely right, it, it does matter. Number 13, what does the Bible say about those who put the teaching of men before the truth of God? Jesus said, Matthew chapter 15, verse 9, In vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Just that verse applies to a lot of areas where people are teaching doctrines that are nothing more than the commandments of men. A lot of man-made traditions and practices have crept into Christianity where you've got this virtual melting pot of different doctrines that can't be found anywhere in the Bible. Paul goes on to say in Galatians chapter 1 verse 8, But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preaches any other gospel to you than that which we have preached, let him be accursed. That's pretty strong language for the apostle. He said even if it's an angel of heaven, if he's preaching something other than the word of God, and those were holy men inspired by the Holy Spirit. It says, let them be accursed. So how does God feel about when we twist and change and transform and modify and adjust the plane, thus saith the Lord? There's reasons for everything God says. And you know what? Sometimes even if we don't understand all the reasons, don't argue with God. Don't forget what I'm going to say. When in doubt, follow Jesus. When in doubt, do the safe thing. It is always safer to do what the word says. Because then you can stand before the Lord in the judgment and say, Lord, this is what you said in your word. If that wasn't the truth, then where is the truth? If it's not in the word of God, where is it? Thy word is truth. Those are the words of Jesus. If you believe anything the Bible says about Jesus, believe what he says. Thy word is truth. The word is very clear on this subject. But doesn't baptism of the Holy Spirit replace baptism by immersion? No. Need both. You can read where in Acts chapter 2, the apostles were baptized by John the Baptist, but then at Pentecost, they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then Peter told them after the Holy Spirit had been poured out, he says in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized every one of you. He says, repent and let every one of you be baptized. And so repentance and baptism, they made it clear all through. Even Paul, when he was converted, Ananias came to Paul and he said, uh, I've been sent by the Lord to baptize you. Paul had been converted. So connected with your decision to say, I want to be a Christian. I want my sins washed away. I want to follow the Lord. Is this sacred rite that encompasses that commitment, that covenant that you're making. Now, I told you, you may not know everything about a person before you get married. You need to know the basics. There needs to be a commitment. But don't wait until you feel like you're perfect. Because if you wait until you feel like you're perfect before you get baptized, nobody will ever get baptized. Even after Peter, James, and John were baptized, you see that they weren't quite perfect yet. In fact, Peter said, Lord Jesus, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. That's in Luke chapter 5. Jesus said, when you're converted, Peter, that's long after his baptism, 
So you want to make your commitment, but don't say, I've got to make sure that I'm perfect, or you'll never get there. And furthermore, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, baptize in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you got water baptism, spirit baptism. Now you'll notice biblically those baptisms might happen at different times. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, this Roman centurion in his household, they are baptized with the Holy Spirit. And Peter said, wow, they got baptized with the Holy Spirit and they haven't been baptized with water yet. Who can forbid that we baptize one with water? So he said, let's do both baptisms. He baptizes them with water. Then you've got where Jesus is baptized, the Holy Spirit and the water baptism happen at the same time. Then you've got where the apostles get baptized by water and later get baptized by the Holy Spirit. So it can happen in different ways according to the Bible. But what you do see consistently, we need both baptisms. I know some church, they just teach baptism by water. Big emphasis. I know some churches and all they talk about is the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says you need both, really. Is rebaptism ever proper? Well, I already mentioned the first time I got baptized, uh, I didn't really understand what I was doing. And a few years later, I was baptized, and I did understand the teachings, and as you can tell, I committed my life to sharing and to living those teachings. But in Acts chapter 19, Paul and uh, uh, Silas were traveling through Ephesus, and they ran into 12 believers up there. Interesting number. These are Gentile believers. It's like another, <laughs> different kinds of 12 from the 12 Jews. And they're hearing about Christ and they're, they're looking a little confused. And Paul said to them, and this is Acts 19, verse 2, said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, we've not as so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? They said, John's baptism, meaning John the Baptist, who baptized by immersion, by the way, the right kind. But they had been baptized by John the Baptist before Jesus came and began his ministry, then they went back north. They did not have newspapers, telephones, wireless texting back then. They didn't know what had happened with Christ's ministry. And it says in Acts chapter 19, verse 4, Then Paul said, Indeed, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were rebaptized. So there's three reasons for rebaptism. One is maybe you are baptized as a baby. Now, do we realize from what we studied earlier, when it says in order to be baptized, you need to you need to repent and you need to uh, believe and all these things that babies can't be taught, they can't repent. It is appropriate to dedicate babies. Bible says Jesus' parents dedicated him as a baby, and a lot of people take their babies to church. And they call it a baptism, but it really is a dedication. Baptism is something that we choose. Jesus was dedicated as a baby. He was baptized as an adult. And that's really the way it ought to work. Now, you didn't know better. The Lord will bless. Number 16. Oh, as I can tell you, three reasons. Get uh, rebaptism is for, if you weren't baptized biblically, sprinkling or pouring or some other method that is not immersion. If you were... Uh, uh, you, like I said, you may be baptized as a baby and you didn't know what these things were. Or you come into a whole new understanding of what the truth is. I heard about a Baptist pastor. He came to some meetings like this. He learned the Sabbath truth. And he said, I want to get rebaptized." And we said, well, you're a Baptist. You were baptized by immersion, right? 
said, yeah, but I've been baptized into nine commandments. I want to get baptized into all ten. And so like these Ephesian men, he was rebaptized. And the third reason is if you've backslidden from the Lord, you kind of divorce yourself from the Lord. I'm not talking about missing church for a week. You know, God has, God has the communion service for us to get our new beginning. But um, you need to be remarried if you've, you know, gone into a far country like that prodigal son. You may talk to the pastor about rebaptism. Is baptism connected with joining a church? Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day there were 3,000 souls added to them. You are baptized, you need to be part of a church family. A baby lamb that is born and left out in the woods without a shepherd and a flock is an easy prey for the wolves. And uh, ladies, what would you say to a man that said, I love you, I've stopped dating all the other girls, I want to marry you. But do we need to live in the same house? Would you say, what? (laughs) Something wrong with your commitment. And so when you're baptized, some people say, I want to get baptized. I don't want to join a church. Well, the Bible doesn't have any other option. It says we are baptized into Christ, into his body. You can read in Acts chapter 247, praising God and having favor with all the people and the church and the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved, the ones being saved were added to the church. Church is the body of Christ. We all have different parts and gifts and, and talents that we bring together. Colossians 3, verse 15, you were called in one body. We're to come together. And yeah, I know sometimes that people might be a challenge, but that's where you learn to love, right? Uh, were there imperfect people in Jesus' church? Did he have a Judas? And would you have joined Jesus' church back when he walked the earth? So don't wait until you feel like there's the perfect church. He wants us to be part of his family. We, we get our nurture there. And it goes on to say, and he is the head of the body, the church. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Number 17. If I refuse baptism, whose counsel am I refusing? Luke 7, but the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. Whose counsel are we rejecting? They rejected the counsel of God when they said they didn't want to be baptized by John the Baptist. This is not the teaching of Pastor Doug or a church. This is the teaching of the word of God. And it's pretty clear. You would think the last statement of Jesus, go therefore teach and baptize, should be a first priority for Christians or people who want to be Christians. When Jesus was baptized, what did his father say? You can look here in Mark chapter 1, verse 9. It came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And then a voice came from heaven saying, You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. When we are baptized, God adopts us. He says we are his beloved son or daughter, and he is well pleased. How many of us want to know that God is well pleased with us? He looks upon us as though we have never sinned, and all of our sins washed away. Now, I told you that um, we're going to encourage you to make a decision tonight. And I'd like to have our, uh, our ushers here that have volunteered. Give a card to every person, if you would. And you also have this available if you're watching online and you look at the Panorama of Prophecy website. I'm going to invite you to make a decision that could be measured in eternity tonight. 
You know, the Bible tells us one day a man filled with a leprosy came to Jesus. And everybody shrank back because he had this terrible, ugly, contagious disease. But Jesus stayed there. And he knelt before Christ and he said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I will. He not only said it, he reached out and he touched him. And he was healed from his leprosy. It was a miracle. The Lord can save you from the leprosy of sin, whatever your sins are. Do you want to hear God say, you are my beloved son and daughter? Please take your card, and I'd like you to put your pertinent information on there, your name, phone, or email. And I want to ask you these questions, and then I'm going to have John sing while you fill out these cards. First question, you can just check the mark there. I have accepted Jesus as my Savior, and I desire to be baptized by immersion. Nobody's going to force you to do anything, but you begin with a decision. If tonight you want to say, Lord, I think you're speaking to my heart, I want to make that decision. Please write that on your envelope. Second question. Maybe you've already been baptized by immersion. You can mark that there. And you say, I've made that decision. Question number three. I was baptized by immersion, but I've drifted away, and I'd like to consider being rebaptized. And then the final question. I still have questions on this subject. You want more information? And maybe I'd like to talk to uh, one of our, our Bible teachers or pastor. We want to pray with you. You know, this is the most important thing. Jesus said, go, teach, baptize. That's what we're doing. Making no apologies about it because these are the words of Christ. He wants you to be washed from your sins. Mark, in chapter 1, it says, A voice came from heaven when Christ was baptized. You can also read in John cha- or Matthew chapter 3, When Christ was baptized, the heavens opened and the Holy Spirit came down. He would like you to have that experience. It says, they heard a voice from heaven. You will hear. They saw the Spirit coming like a dove. The Holy Spirit will come into your life in a special way with that commitment. And he's got a work for you to do. John, why don't you come and sing a verse of this beautiful song for us as you pray and you fill out your cards. Sometimes it's hard for us to understand that a person's eternity may hinge and pivot on a moment like this. Everything can change when you say, Lord, I feel the Holy Spirit is tugging at me right now, but I'm afraid and you're hesitant. This is where you have a step of faith. And you say, Lord, help me. I believe, but I have doubts. Help my unbelief. Some of you, I think, are in that valley of decision. Some who are watching, 
The Lord is calling you to make your decision now. I'd like to encourage you to make that decision now. Matter of fact, let me pray, and I'm going to have John sing one more verse of this song. Loving Lord, I believe there are titanic, spiritual, cosmic battles happening right now. And I pray you'll send your spirit and your angels to gain victory in the hearts of these people that are trying to make the right decision. Encourage them, Lord. I pray in Christ's name. Amen. If you've not made your decision, you can do it now. John, another verse. How many of you want to be in that land of new beginnings? God wants you to have that new birth, to have your sins washed away. And I pray that you'll all make that decision tonight. For those in our local audience, please return your cards to your ushers. We want to pray for you and help you follow up in that decision. Those who are watching, let us know. Go to the panoramaprophecy.com website if you've made your decision. We think this is such an important study right now because in the lessons and the subjects that are yet to come, We want you to understand, and we need to consecrate ourselves right now to have that understanding. I'd like to pray with you as we close. Loving Lord, thank you so much for your presence, that Jesus did come to wash away the leprosy of sin and give us a new beginning. We accept that now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. I look forward to seeing you in our next presentation tomorrow. We're going to talk about the final firestorm.